Chapter Twenty Three of Betty Baird's Golden Year by Anna Hamlin Weichel. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Holly Jensen. Chapter Twenty Three: Christmas Eve. Jack and Dunny hit her up just a little on the way back to Hobart, and they arrived in plenty of time to dress for dinner. Let us have a quiet old time sort of an eve. Betty proposed, as she and Lois were trying to answer each other's question as to what we shall do this evening. I think there is more sweetness in Christmas Eve than any other part of the year, Lois said thoughtfully, adding, and joy too, only the deep, quiet kind. To have our friends around us is enough, Betty replied, while trying to keep out of her voice the sadness she felt at the thought that this would be the last Christmas of the old kind, the kind they had spent together for five years, not a short period to them out of their eighteen or nineteen. Next year Lois would be married. The great beautiful hall would inspire Christmas festivities with its revolutionary paneled wainscot, white-painted, the tall candles in the heavy brass sconces above the deep molding lighting the few stately pictures, festooned with holly and mistletoe, by the broad hearth where John had piled logs of resinous pine and fragrant hickory, stood mimic pines in squat terracotta bowls, a gate-table was drawn cosily up by the deep old sofa before the fire, reflecting on its polished surface its load of apples, oranges, grapes, nuts, cakes, and candies. "'Oh, Lois, please do stand still a moment,' cried Betty, as Lois was coming slowly down the broad steps and looking around at the charming picture the hall presented. "'You have stepped right out of a Sir Joshua Reynolds.' your dark hair with that red rose those gold buckles on your slippers your eyes shining like stars and that perfect soft shimmery worthy trailing gown just like a pale rose itself mother isn't she the prettiest thing indeed she is agreed mrs baird as she drew betty to her side and smiled lovingly at her other daughter as she called lois Purdy is as Purdy does, quoted Miss Jane crisply. Her code allowed no compliments to the face. Then she looked at Betty, and knowing that no vanity had so far spoiled her pet, she added in a brusque voice, I callate them two youngsters as Purdy well mated. What? exclaimed Betty dramatically. Do I hear a compliment? wrapped it is true in a very stern voice but i can break the shell like a black walnut and get the meat within now may i come down asked lois in a small patient tone as of one who had been looking pleasant for a long time wait lois until i whisk this dust cloth out of sight it spoils the picture there now you may come down then humming hail to the chief she stepped up and gallantly led lois to the hearth betty's pretty white french flannel relieved at times by her summer silk had to do service on all such occasions tonight she had allowed herself a few picturesque touches in harmony with the day in the firelight her hair shone like burnished copper and the bunch of crimson holly berries, backed by their polished leaves, only added a deeper tone. 
around her neck hung the handsome string of gold beads that had once graced her grandmother seabury's swan-like neck and now supported a rare and exquisite miniature of the madonna set in a lovely gold frame sent as a christmas gift from rome by mr and mrs anstice the big bows on her dainty high instep gave a natty touch to her appearance mother i've dusted this table at least five times otherwise she broke off abruptly as she glanced around the hall oh isn't this a love of a home and absolutely perfect for christmas cousin betty cousin betty it's snowing hard cried edwina frisking in from the kitchen where she had been kneeling on a chair by old katie's table absorbed in watching the cooking of christmas dainties then it is perfect said lois softly and betty thought she caught her looking down at the sparkling ring on her finger run upstairs and change your dress dearie said betty to edwina i've put it on a chair and i'll be there in a minute to button you up scamper a moment later there was a loud rap at the door betty and lois made a dash to see which could get there first a messenger boy thrust a long paper box into betty's hands what is it cried lois for the air was full of christmas surprises edwina came down the stairs full tilt buttoning her little dress on the way to see what had come for the old brass knocker to-day had the sound of christmas bells to the wee maid it's for you mother darling and betty all eagerness began to help untie the cord oh oh breathed betty and lois while edwina eagerly thrust her head in between them for a closer look as the cover came off there lay twenty-four american beauty roses most glorious ones on them was mr minturne's card it is indeed extremely kind of mr minturne said mrs baird holding them out admiringly at arm's length you must wear one mrs baird and lois untwined one from the others oh i couldn't exclaimed mrs baird blushing like a girl i the two girls would not listen but placed a long-stemmed beauty in the folds of her soft black net gown father look isn't mother beautiful betty called as soon as dr baird appeared on the landing your mother has always been beautiful he replied as he came down quickly and kissed her barely had they exclaimed in sufficient honor of the flowers when again the thunder of the old knocker started edwina on her best loved task as doorkeeper of boxwood it's for me it's for me she cried dancing around wildly then she ran over to the sofa and tore open a small box oh if eyes as big as saucers and rounding lips from which flowed a stream of o's and frantic bouncing on the hardy sofa showed joy then edwina was the happiest little girl in all hobart in a white box on which was tiffany's magic name reposed in snowy cotton the golden coils of a beautiful necklace with a card expressing jack's love and best wishes you lucky little cousin let me put it on you betty clasped it around the pretty neck there edwina it's perfect stand off and let me see how it looks on this lace yoke 
again and again the knocker rang out edwina had to finish her toilet downstairs for things were growing too exciting to leave and at each knock she made a dash for the door but the climax came when a book was left for the doctor from mr minturn it was a rare edition of one of his favorite latin authors which he had expressed a desire to see he could hardly lay down the quaint little volume long enough to eat his dinner his comments were unvaried they all rang on its beauty and surprise he should not have done it i merely said i should like to see it when he told me he had recently bought it at an auction in london i cannot imagine why he has given me such a handsome gift true we had a long talk over our favorite authors that day he spent with us he's a fine cultivated gentleman well grounded in the classics yet i don't understand then the doctor would pat the precious book and meditate over its contents betty however was a little disconcerted at first but she decided that mr minturn felt as she would in his place that a man like her father a true bibliophile should possess this treasure rather than one who had it by the accident of wealth and a whim of culture if betty detected any sophistry in her reasoning she wisely allowed it to allay her questioning oh daddy darling this is christmas eve and that explains everything on such a day surprises are all the more surprising and nothing must be too surprising and christmas all the more christmassy and christmas all the more surprising and surprises all the more christmassy and oh oh laughed lois as betty took a long breath before proceeding this is the cow with the crumpled horn that tossed the dog that worried the cat that killed the rat that ate the malt that lay in the house that jack built betty threw her arms around her father and snuggled close to him on the sofa peeping over his arm to look at the christmas gift to lois there had come a different reason for mr minturn's splendid gift she believed that betty's airy laughing account of the fire at minturn manor and of her own share in it had been inadequate and that her betty baird was a heroine when pressed betty had only made light of her part in the affair and lois did not feel at liberty to ask mr minturn so when this costly book came for dr baird lois thought now this proves it he knew he could not offer her a present that would show his appreciation but to her father and mother he could and besides he wants bet to be happy and takes the best way mrs baird too had her theory and it seemed to be a disquieting one as with questioning eyes she looked time and again at betty when she would not notice another knock at the door again for edwina from mr minturn had come a great box of the very finest richest most delicious bonbons a little girl could eat and with it another small box in which were tucked two books one for betty and one for lois jack brooks came soon after dinner and before long with a great deal of christmas mystery and expressive pantomime he led betty and lois away from dunny and minturn who had come with him and took them into the book-room 
minturne and dunny insisted on going with them but jack shut the door in their faces and immediately drew from his pocket a pair of handsome gold-rimmed spectacles young friends he began with an attempt at great propriety i have never given a lady anything but flowers books and sweetmeats i've kept strictly to the most approved formula but now i intend to break loose and give miss jane this pair of gold-rimmed spectacles will she object miss jane won't bother over conventionalities jack said betty laughing but she might over the expense you went to you didn't get them from a bargain counter did you for then she would be immensely tickled caesar's ghost a christmas gift from a bargain counter that would make the holly turn pale and the christmas candles blush laughing they burst out of the room and jack made his presentation speech ah, i don't know whether i'm a foot or horseback miss jane exclaimed she adjusted them carefully on her nose and peered through them trying them on everybody and everything within sight and greatly delighted to find her vision as keen as of old much to betty's surprise she expressed no scruples at their cost perhaps it was the glamour of the day or it may have been a growing insight into the fact that there were people in the world who did not have to count the pennies as pitifully as she had in the weston days even her own thrift was in betty's words on the high road to ruin for her sister's pennsylvania dutch tea-room was paying well and miss jane was filling missionary barrels for the far west to her heart's content minturne now stepped forward holding out a small rosewood box miss jane you doctored me so splendidly at the time of my late shipwreck that i felt impelled to give you this medicine chest which i hope will serve well the skill which you so generously bestowed on me <laughs> that wasn't nothin but thank you just the same this'll come in just as handy later miss jane made frames of pine cones for the handsome christmas cards that came with the young men's presents and hung them in a prominent place above her bureau the girls never went into her room without teasing her about her conquests and the maiden lady took evident pride in the fact that at sixty she had her loyal boyfriends everyone was remembered by everybody and old katie out in the kitchen had her side table piled high with useful and ornamental presents and the sight was so inspiring that she was heard singing her favorite hymns the livelong evening the evening was passed quietly around the fire for those who had been on the historical ride to new york were tired stories were told ancient carols sung chestnuts and apples roasted blind man's buff played and after edwina had gone to bed early so christmas would come sooner they all popped and strung corn for garlanding her christmas tree then all worked together to decorate the tree each outvying the other in the effort to express their gratitude to the little one for giving them another taste of real christmas childhood's christmas it was pronounced a great success and all promised to drop in the next day to see edwina's joy i think miss betty said minturne in a low tone i really must run over to-morrow while my grandparents are taking their long afternoon nap to see edwina dancing round her tree 
and i'll bring an owl i have to put on the tree to complete her minerva's outfit end of chapter twenty three recording by holly jensen